Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remixed, Season 2, Episode 5, Undertow. As always, I am joined by one, Robert Sapp. How you doing, Mr. Sapp? Doing very well. How you doing? Trying to stay cool. That's all. Trying to stay healthy and cool. There you go. Um, Yeah, the, (laughs) the, the basic essentials. This episode was directed by Steve Schill. It is ranked by Vulture to uh, number 53 all time uh, in terms of Wire episodes. The epigraph, of course, was by uh, Spiros. They used to make steel. They used to make steel there. No, with a question mark. And getting back to our um, doc themes as far as undertow or, or words. Undertow can be defined as a tide that traps unsuspecting swimmers. And there were a number of unsuspecting swimmers in this episode when you talked, when you dealt with, when you, when you think about Frank Zabaka, Ziggy Zabaka, and Avon Barksdale, just to name a few. Um, you see characters who are trapped by their surround either trapped by their circumstances you see characters who are in over their heads and you see characters who um can't see some can't see things coming and of course in the case of one avon barksell we'll certainly get to that over the course of the episode but we begin with uh ziggy ziggy your man my man my man gets ripped off by a new character we get introduced to in terms of uh, Frog, who's a drug dealer on the corner. Um, Frog, Ziggy, of course, claims that he owes him more money. Frog says, look, Frog comes up short with the uh, the money. And um, Ziggy, you know, it's like you know, it was, it was a G pack. So this is no, you know, this is no money for this. Doesn't come out. This did not come out right in terms of for it being uh, uh, the value of a G pack. Frog, of course, claims that stash was taken. So he claims that the stash was taken, and that it came up short. Ziggy, uh, of course, is incensed by this, but no one, no one takes Ziggy seriously as far as any physical threat. So Frog basically, you know, stares at him and Ziggy just, you know, gets frustrated, which just, which just gets, it's just pissed off. But before he can even get angry for more than two minutes, we get introduced to a new character, one Cheese Wagstaff, who of course was played by Method Man. Um, and this character will be a essential character to the story from seasons on for the rest of the series, but at, at this point, we don't know. We just know that he's a he's you know a drug man, and he's somebody who is not to be fucked with. As he takes Ziggy's car, Ziggy of course owes him money, and Ziggy doesn't have the money the money that he was going to get from that G pack from Frog. I'm assuming that that was going to be used going to use that to pay um, to pay Method Man, excuse me, to pay Cheese. Uh, Ziggy of course comes up short. Cheese uh, basically gives Ziggy a week to come up with the money before he kills him. He said, what did he say? He says, if you don't have the money on Friday, you'll be dead on Saturday. So he takes the money, refuses the coat, refuses the coat, 
takes the money that the little money that Ziggy does have, and of course takes Ziggy's car, uh, Princess. Um, and Ziggy at this point has nothing but a ripped up jacket and a, and, and a hurt ego to boot. Um, pay attention closely to Ziggy getting pumped. Um, it because it's going to be important moving forward as far as the direction of, uh, of his character. What What are your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, uh, it was a great intro scene. Yes, um, for the for the character of Cheese. I also was struck by how similar this scene was to a scene that will happen in season four. Um, and so. Uh, Di- different different tone but still same kind of uh same kind of idea so this is something that they revisit uh more than once in the wire yeah great, yeah great opening scene um again we get introduced to two new characters of course one will play more of a role than the other but still for this season those two characters will be part will you know will have their um have their times during the uh, course of the rest of the season. Of course, we, um, so we move on to Carver and Daniels. So a bit of a reunion between those two. Carver, of course, is wondering why Daniels would would want him for this new detail. Uh, And Daniels basically says, you know, I know that you wouldn't be basically crazy enough to fuck me over twice. Um, And the fact, you know, he's, of course, he's taking, he he see we and we talked about this last season that he sees something in Carver. Yeah. And so it's continuing on with that theme. And he basically he basically dressed down, he basically dressed Carver down. He says, Look, I already know I, I already know what type of what's, I already know your character. So it's not like you it's not like I'm not gonna see you coming, number one. Two, those start those uh, sergeant stripes mean nothing to me. You're just a regular cop in, in this detail. Kima's, Kima's, you know, you're, you're, you're under Kima. So great leadership by Daniels um, saying, recognizing that this guy can be useful, but at the same time, keeping him humble, keeping him humble just because uh, in spite of, of, of the sergeant stripes. And as in comparisons, and this is why Daniels' character this is why we like Daniel's character and we like, we respect Daniel as a leader. We've been discussing pettiness throughout the course of this season by various characters. Renote, Ross, Valchek, Sabaka, Frank Sabaka. Daniel's easily could have been petty and said, fuck you, Carver. I don't need you based on last season. But a great leader recognizes, a great leader is not petty. They recognize that this guy, that somebody can be as of use and they get the most out of that. So what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Great leadership moves by Daniels. Um uh everything, I mean, everything you said, like like he recognizes something in Carver. Um he knows he has to keep him close, of course. Um different circumstances. Uh uh he's not he's not as close with Valchek. So, so he knows he has to keep him close on it. And then, you know, if you, you gotta like, like even, even within that, um, uh, giving him a, a different opportunity, uh, he's going to make him earn it. Um, and so, yeah, all just all great leadership moves, all great leadership moves. 
by Daniels. You're absolutely right. That's that's why we that's why we respect Daniels. So we move on to your your other guy, Bubbles. <laughs> Bubbles and McNulty. So Bubbles is 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 going goes to McNulty's uh goes to the, the docks to meet McNulty. Uh, not the docks, the, the the marine the marine port, marine unit to meet meet up with McNulty um, to kind of uh, meet up with Rick McNulty, give him the, to give him the information uh, about Omar. But before we even get introduced, not introduced, before even McNulty even comes out, he was on the boat. McNulty's partner recognizes that Bubbles is Bubbles just can't help but to be Bubbles as he seemingly was trying to figure out whether or not he could steal a state-of-the-art gas grill that was chained to uh to a pole and <laughs> again bubbles plays this crackhead to a t that that is a that that is the epitome of a crackhead move uh trying to still <laughs> attempting to uh to, i don't know he was going to try to steal it but just record this just even thinking about it and of course, the guy tells Bubbles. The cop tells Bubbles, "Yeah, just just go over there. I'll get McNulty. You go go way over there." And of course, McNulty comes out. Um, Bubbles gives him information on Bird, not Bird, Omar, in regards to the Bird case. Bubbles, um, McNulty gives him some money, but it was not enough for Bubbles' troubles. As he tells the story that McNulty and Omar stuck a gun in his face. He basically begs McNulty for some more money, and McNulty, of course, acquiesces and gives him some uh, more money in exchange for the information about um, Omar's whereabouts. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll take a little bit of a different tact on this one. Um, it shows how valuable Bubbles is to, to not only the show, but like the characters on the show and in terms of their investigations. Later, uh, Bunk will say something to B.D. Russell yes. about um, how important having, having people who know what's going on is. And Bubbles knows what's going on in that street. And so the great, great Jimmy McNulty couldn't find Omar to save his life. Um, and so he needed Bubbles to do it. Yeah, no question about it. Um, Rawls, Freeman, and Bunk uh inquire about uh you have Rawls inquiring about the about the case. Um lets Freeman know that he's been uh detailed to Daniels' uh to Daniels's case. Freeman seemingly was not pleased about it, told felt like Rawls, you know, you know, ad told Rawls, you know, did you just fuck me, fuck me over? And Rawls basically in return says, if I did, if he says Detective, if you, if I do fuck you over, you will know it. You will know it. It won't be any, basically won't be any doubt about it. Um, so he's been detailed to raw to, uh, to the new case, um, to, to the new case. That's, we, we will later find out more information about that and how those cases are intertwined. Um, quick scene, but what are your thoughts on uh, the Ross Freeman exchange? Yeah. Uh... You know, Free Freeman, we, we talked a lot about, like, how this was just basically revenge for Rawls. So I think it says two things. I think it says, uh, you know, how, um, you know, how much, how much pull a Valchek has or, or, or someone, someone of that, of that stature has, stature has um, 
So that's one thing. And then I think the other thing is, um, you know, uh, Freeman, once he gets, once he gets involved in the case, he's not going to let it go. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. And that's, that's one of the things that makes him a great character on the show is that, um, he's the, him, him and Gnothia are two sides of the same coin. Um, in terms of, uh, I think, I'm trying to think, no, 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 that, that, that's coming up in a, uh, future episode. Um, so, uh, just, just how dogged he is once, once he gets involved in the case. That's what makes it so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would think that he would want no part of this case that is basically unsolvable after up until this point with the 14 murders. And to re, you know, to rejoin, you know, his old squad uh, in terms of major crimes. But like you said, to your point, he's a dedicated cop. He's, you know, he's invested in this case at this point. Um, and of course, Brawls lets Bunk know that it's on you now, Chief. <laughs> so, which I know Bunk certainly Bunk is not thrilled about that. Um, Lena, uh, Elena McNulty, Mick, and Amy. And Amy are meet at um, at a new at a, at a house that uh, that that Nick Sabaka is looking at. This, of course, was his aunt's old house back in the day. It's completely been redone. Um, this was a pure case of gentrification, as they had redone the house and, and, and jacked the price. And um, he does not. He frankly, you know, can't afford it. It's out of his price range. And um, he tells Amy at the end of the scene, well, Amy recommends at the end of the scene about um, renting instead renting instead of owning. What are your thoughts on, on this uh, scene? Yeah, this is, this is uh, a very tangible um, way to show why he's going to go to the links that he's going to go. Um, you know, a lot of people can understand pressures like this. Um, and so, uh, and so he, he, on his current salary, current position, um, it's not salary cause he gets paid by ship. Um, he, he can't afford that house, but, uh, his girlfriend and daughter need a place to live. So that's significant pressure. And so what is he going to do with that pressure? That's kind of where we are at this point in the story. And we're going to see where he's going to go. So you have Daniels, Carver, Herc, and Kima going over the, the strategy for the, uh, for the case. Herc volunteers, volunteers to, uh, to be on the street, because mostly because these dealers are white. Um, you have, uh, and he, of course, jokes to Kima, to Kima, Herc, to Kima and Carver about them being on the rooftops. Uh, them being on the rooftops versus him being on the street. Um, Freeman comes in, being of course newly detailed uh, to the case, and uh, immediately recognizes uh, Sabaka. So he makes that connection, and you know, and some of the old gang is off and running in terms of what yep. in terms of yep. this uh, case. What were your thoughts on this? Uh, the, the crew's back together, essentially. 
Yeah, yeah. You have Donette D'Angelo and son, and uh, son, his son Tyrell in the prison, of course, um, discussing D'Angelo and discussing Stringer's promises and Avon's promises to D'Angelo, similar to a scene that D'Angelo and Donette had in season one where she's speaking and he's basically tuning her out. This is this was similar because even though he can't physically not, you know, tune her out because he's right in front of her, he mentally is tuning her out and just looking, just playing with his son. Um, then he jumped into the conversation and, and basically tells her that, you know, they're playing you with all that family and, you know, all that family stuff and, you know, hooking us up um, and completely is not buying it. Um, of course, we know why she's there. Um, she's there because of uh, Stringer. And um, she basically says what they're going to do for him after he gets out and, and what have you. Again, he's having none of it. He spent most of the conversation, not all of it, basically playing with his son. What were your thoughts? Yeah, this is a tough scene. Like, normally, I wouldn't even watch this scene. It's, it's that tough for me. Um, uh, I don't like it. Um, but because, because I was watching, because we're doing this show, I watched the entire scene. And so what I was struck with this time is because of, of kind of like the line we've taken on Stringer and how everything is going is how many times she mentioned Stringer. That, that, that really uh, stuck out to me. And um, D'Angelo's 100% on point. He, call, he called it 1,000%. Like you said, we know why, we know why um, she's there because Stringer sent him. And like you said, you put it, you put it in my mind last week in terms of, um, you know, that she's basically the stool pigeon for, um, for Stringer. And so he sees it coming. That's why, he, in my mind's eye, again, Tough, the re tough scene is because of the way um, the actor plays it with Deanna and playing with the son is because he, he, he knows it's all BS. He knows it's BS. He knows everything, is, everything coming out of her mouth is coming from Stringer um, or at the very least is BS. Um, he knows it's coming from Stringer. I'm not, I'm not even going to go there. He knows it's coming from Stringer. And so, um, and so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's another example. I mean, and he lays it out very well too, in terms of um, this. This this is a business. Like like they can they can say this family stuff all they want to say, but this is a business. So I really I really like that point. But I was really struck by how much you know. Avon is his uncle, but the only name that was coming out of her mouth was Stringer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, she's been completely manipulated by Stringer um, to, to uh, of course, sift information out, get information from the uh, D'Angelo, or get or, or sense where D'Angelo is at uh, mentally. Um, you have a fiend. We go to the pit with Poop, Bodie, and Pudding. Uh, a fiend gets beat up for calling out the product, basically calling the product shit which the product is. Um, and he never said it, actually. And no, he didn't. Yeah, right. He didn't. He actually did not say it. He actually, didn't, no, he actually didn't say it. But uh, Bodhi doesn't know that. Um, Bodhi just sees, you know, 
sees red, but in terms of sees him get his ass, not see him get his ass with sees the after sees sees the dude after he's gotten his ass worked uh, uh, by the youngins. Um, and Bodie basically says, you know, not knowing that the dude didn't say it, but realizing that their product is shit, and says that you know we got we got call string call stringer on it, and we'll see how that plays out on the over the course of the uh, episode. What were your thoughts on this scene? It's the it's the overarching thing that, that we started talking about. The name who's starting to ring out is whose name? Stringer. Over and over again, everybody's referencing, and so. Stringer's overarching plan is coming to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. He has all his people in place now. Yes. And we'll get to, yeah. And, and we'll doubt it will further connect even more later in this episode with a, with a particular scene uh, with uh, Bodie and Stringer. Um, yeah. Nick, Matt, Ziggy. Uh, Ziggy tells Nick about about cheese and about the car about the car being about his car being taken that's what i wanted to say um taken over taken because of the package nick thinks that ziggy messed up the package uh nick tells ziggy he doesn't have the money because he made it because of the deposit that he made a security deposit he made on on this apartment and uh at this point you know ziggy is up a creek without a paddle um what were your thoughts yeah, I mean, like, they, all of these scenes are going to connect to each other, and I meant to mention this in the, in the opening. Not only is the opening an introduction for Cheese's character, but this is also building up. Um, this is also building up to what this season is going to ultimately be about in terms of um, the, the reach and pull of the different people that are that are involved and so a you have at the beginning like they're they're like this is i was hard on the wire last episode this is them playing chess not checkers in terms of they're gonna they're gonna peel out each individual move over the course of this episode and so the first beginning is ziggy gets beat beat up by cheese right Uh uh-oh he owes cheese a bunch of money how is he going to get out of this Maybe he'll go to Nick. Uh-oh, Nick doesn't have that money. How are they going to get Ziggy out of this? So this is all building up to a realization about the strength of the counter-organization. Yes. I'll be more clear as we go, as we go along with the, the scenes with Ziggy, Nick, and Cheese and his crew. You have Valchek, um gets sent another picture of the surveillance van. This time he takes the fingerprints off the picture. Um, and then you have Kima asking about the van. Of course, the van is missing. So Valchek basically says that you know the van has been detailed somewhere else. But of course he doesn't tell her, you know, that the van is missing. Um what are your thoughts about yet yeah, the, the only thing the only thing that's important in this scene, I mean, the, 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 not the only thing, the reason why this scene is there is to illustrate that Valchek cannot say what happened to the van. Right. Not only can he not say, he can't, um, he can't do anything about that specifically, which, for, which, which plays into why this detail is so important to him. 
in order to get his revenge. He can't just do it himself. That's the point. We have Stringer and Professor Lucas. Uh, Stringer has just, of course, aced his microeconomics exam, gets an A minus. Then he asked the, the professor how to deal with a inferior product. Uh, the press, the professor advises him in an aggressive market. In an aggressive market, yes, an inferior market, inferior product in an aggressive market. Uh, the, the professor advises him to gives him a couple options. One. He could uh, lower the price, but if he does lower the price, that's might that's gonna you know that might that will lead to devaluing the product that much more. Or he advises him he could possibly. I think Stringer picked up on them, picked up on this. Change. He gave him the example of Worldcom. Com, and then he said uh, change the name of the product, and Stringer of course takes that and runs with it. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, no, pretty. That's 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 where he gets the idea. This would be a setup for a, a scene that this would be a setup uh, for um, this is a, a yeah a setup scene in, in many ways. Um, you have Horseface, Cole, and Bunk, Russell and Sabaka. Uh, they're back at the ports of the docks, and they give they give a number of the stevedores uh, jury summonses. Summons and you know we have Sabaka basically telling them this is not nothing new to us. Uh, our unions have been through Richard Nixon, Tricky Dick, Ronald, the Union Buster, Reagan, and you know we've beaten them all, and we you know we'll still be here. And he quizzes one of his uh, guys, Johnny Fifty, says, "What do you do if you ask a question?" And Johnny Fifty says, "Take the Fifth Commandment." <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> Oh, shit. that was hilarious. The fifth commandment. Um, <laughs> and then he, uh, and then at this point, the most important thing that came out of this was the fact that Bunk, this kind of got Bunk realizing that we even got to go deeper with these guys. So that, that to me was the most important part that came out of this scene. Like, Bunk was like, okay, we, we, we got to, you know, go another, go another step when coming at these guys. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think the parallel is apt, right, between the dock and the, the streets. Like, the, like this, is, this is the direct parallel, right? Like, there's a code of silence. You're not, you're not going to come in and just be able to uh, just get anything out of anybody. And so, like, remember in season one when Eileen is kind of, like, telling them how it is that, why, like, what they need to prove? in order to get a wire up and running one of the things they need to prove is that normal investigation tactics will not work and so this is another situation where um just normal investigation tactics won't work because of that that cone of silence and so um sabaka gives this impassioned speech um that that just kind of like illustrates that one and then i also think if they were, if they were un, if for any reason, and I don't believe they were being like, well, maybe Sabaka could be not involved in it. That speech let them know he absolutely was. He absolutely is. Yeah, he is, is he involved in it because you can see it in Bunk's face. I mean, he's a he's a veteran detective. He knows he knows how people act in certain situations, and so um, 
So that, that that does that does that, and then I'll say one last thing, and then 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 you can go. Right. Um, also, it also shows Frank's insecurity as well, and how much against it, how desperate he is, which will lead into the final scene at the at the very end of this. He's putting on a nice show for everybody, but he's drowning under all of these issues. All right, I'm done. Yep, under well, you know, under uh, you know that was the, the name of the episode, undertow, unsuspected, you know, drowning, trapped in unsuspected waters, uh, basically. Um, so this was brilliantly played by Bunk because yeah, of course they would have loved to get some information, but like you said, Bunk is a veteran. He knows they've already dealt with these guys before, so instead of just giving off giving the summonses, which they did. This he kind of turned it into a semi, you can call it an interrogation. And interrogation, if it's going to be an interrogation, that is Bunk's world. That's where Bunk and McNulty and those guys are at their best with the interrogation. Because as we know, great, great cops, interrogations are like a form of art. It's an art to it. So Bunk played it cool. He gets the reaction out of Sabaka. Sabaka completely completely similar to McNulty. We've seen McNulty over, this, over the course of the season just overreacts and makes it, takes it very personally and gets, like, to your point, allows his insecurity to get the best of him. Because up until this point, Bunk, not Bunk, uh, Sabaka has been, for the most part, dealing with the cops, a cool customer. He's been a cool customer for the most part. But, but him flipping out like that and putting on that show tipped they completely tipped like it is like a game of poker like that that completely tipped his hand and bunk now it gave now bunk is even like okay to your point like yeah i based now i got him but yeah we we know we know you're dirty um you have uh eileen nathan of course the assistant district attorney omar mcnulty they're prepping prepping for the uh bird trial uh omar continues to lie about the murder <laughs> with, with Bird and McGann claims that Bird showed him a gun. We, of course, know that's not true. Uh, of course, Nathan has her doubts about putting Omar on the stand. McNulty actually thought he did well, would, thought he did well um, in his eyes. And she gives uh, McNulty a, a, a waiver to get, some, to get him some decent clothes. Um, a, a waiver at a, at a men's men's shop to get him some um, clothes. Um, very good scene, I thought. I thought it was brilliantly played by by Michael K. Williams. Um, what he said, the line he said says, uh, "Fish got to swim." When he was describing, you know, multiple murders with uh, Bird, and she she asked about it about the murder. He said she said there was more than one. She asked questions, well, there was more than one, and he said, fish got to swim. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, I mean, uh, Omar is such a valuable character, and um, this is showing another side of his value. Um, it's, it's in pretty much every other case, that person would be labeled a snitch and be talked about, da, 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 everything like that. But um, 
but this is an extension of uh, season one. Um, and uh, uh, um, and and because Omar had, I mean, I'm I'm saying a lot of different things in my mind, but I'm like trying to be careful because we're staying in the moment. Um, this gives another look at the side of Omar, and this will uh, go into the tool bag of Omar's code, so to say. Yes. Um, we have Kima and Carver. Um, Kima, Carver, and Herc. Kima and Carver are setting up in an abandoned row house. Um, looking at Frog, who's, you know, the local, who's the uh, corner boy dealing drugs, of course, that we met early on or in the opening scene with Ziggy. Um, so they're, they're setting up, um, waiting for uh, Herc to um, make his move, make his move. So this was a, this scene, you know, quick scene, this was a setup for, um, this was a, this scene was a setup for a future scene. Um, you have uh, Russell, Bonk, and the grand jury prosecutor, grand jury prosecutor uh, at the courthouse. He comes out, says they got nothing out of the stevedores, you know, um, got nothing out of the stevedores. And that's when Bunks tells uh, Russell, we got to, you know, go another way. Like, what? What do you have in terms of uh, an informant? Do you know somebody on the docks that could give us some more information? Um, at, and at first, and he tells them the police is only, they say the police is only as good as, as his informants. And he tells uh, B, Russell that. And um, we'll see how that plays out. What were your thoughts on this? Yeah, that, that comment is about bubbles. It's about bubbles. Um, and so, uh, I mean, it's not specifically about Bubbles, but in the context of The Wire, it's about Bubbles. Bubbles is the best at what he does. And if you think about it over the series, I'm saying just to you, not, not, not to anybody who hasn't. If you think about it over the series, there aren't a whole ton of informants. It's Bubbles. So that's just a reiteration of how valuable, how valuable Bubbles' character will be in a variety of different ways, but specifically in, in, that, in that format. Of course, this is a setup for also later on what BD Russell is is going is going to do, but that comment's all about bubbles in my mind. Yes, yeah, no, it's all yeah. There's without question about bubbles uh, in terms of the context of the show. Uh, McNulty and Omar in the clothing store. Um, they're in this cheesy clothing store. Uh, of course, Omar doesn't like any of the clothes that McNulty. <laughs> He picks out a jacket and Minosi's like uh, a very Omar's like, yeah, there's no way I'm gonna wear that. That <laughs> line is McNulty. I love this line. I notice this line every single time. I love it. Minosi goes, This is the look. He picks up the yellow, bright yellow, yeah, yeah. banana yellow suit, holds it up to Omar and goes, This is the look. And Omar goes, No, it ain't. So it's just a quick exchange by just that that play. I mean, played by by two fantastic actors in this in this series. I just love that scene. It's a great, it's a great one-liner. So you have, uh, so then McNulty says, you know, he has to go across the street to the federal building. He has his own, some other business besides that, of course, that he's dealing with in terms of the girl off the ship. And 
Bubbles, not Bubbles, uh, Omar says, uh, I'll be, you know, on Howard Street. And then if I'm not there, I'm at this, uh, then he said something about going to a club or something, basically. Um, to see Muffy or something like something to that extent. Uh, so you saw that exchange between those two. Um, again, a, a setup for things to come in regards to what we're going to see. And even not, not in this episode, by the way, in terms of Omar. Uh, and uh, in terms of Omar, um, Herc, Carver, and Kima. Uh, you have Herc, you have Carver and Kima on the roof or in the, in the building, in the abandoned building. They weren't on the roof this time. They weren't on the roof at this point. They were in the building and they're looking at Herc, of course. Um, they're looking at Herc, uh, get, you know, communicate with Frog you know, make his intro, you know, as far as uh, being going undercover. He has a toothpick and, you know, Herc is, is loving it. He's loving being on the street and not being on top of the roof, taking pictures. So you had that going on. Of course, it's set up for things to come. What are your thoughts on this quick scene? Yeah, this is, this is um, I, I mean, I think if, if I had an overarching thought about like the, the context of this episode is just like the band is back together, but in a different circumstance, right? Like, and so it's showing how malleable the team is. It's not always, again, like this season is to show you the value of detective work. I mean, like in this specific circumstance is also showing you the value of detective work and the value of this type of, of um, uh, not investigative, not detective, investigative work. Um, and, uh, and it won't always look the same, even in a city like Baltimore, it won't always look the same. And honestly, it shouldn't always look the same that otherwise that means you're targeting the same group of people, which again, this is the message of the season. Um, and so, uh, and so pretty much the same crew, they're just shuffling the roles a little bit differently. And this is what an effective investigation looks like. Did we, oh wait, let me go back really quickly because the introductory scene where Daniels is talking to everybody, you can just see the look on um, Presbyluski's face like, yes, this is, this is how it's supposed to be done. Yeah, probably, right? yeah, probably. yeah, yeah, we're past that scene, yeah, yeah. This is, how, this is how it's supposed to be done. And so like, this is an extension of that. It's like, like you know, Daniel says to Kima, Kima go to the da da da, like everything is moving. Like every, this is, this is, this is the difference between humps and people who do their jobs, <laughs> who do come to do their jobs. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's being a superhero or anything like that. This is just the difference doing a job. And then on top of that, there, there, it is a high-end type of investigation that, that requires um, depth and thought and subterfuge, subterfuge and um, a lot of different things. And so... Um, there'll be a line, I think, eventually coming up. It's, it's not any type of spoiler line, so I'll just say it. Um, where uh, where characters referencing Rawls and Landsman is just basically like quick. All they have patience for is quick. Blah, blah, blah. So my point is investigations like this are patient and have a lot of different moving parts, and so you need to be really well coordinated. And so Prez... Daniels given all the different the different things it was like ah okay yeah they're back in there they're back in their rhythm um, 
to your point, Prez was the happiest person in that room during that beginning speech uh, for, the, for everybody back uh, kind of together. Um, yeah, McNulty and the special agent in the federal building, uh, important part of this scene is the federal building's name has been changed to Homeland Security, um, which is a... It's what was going on at the time. Going on at the time. Absolutely what was going on at the time. Yeah. And it also will plays a role, a small role in in the uh from the cop standpoint in the in the theme of the show as far as yeah. the direction of what the investigations and what they or what the people higher ups wanted to go into. Exactly. Dedicated what what people care about. Oh, yeah. What they care about. And what they're gonna more importantly, what they're gonna spend resources on. Yeah. Uh, he asked, of course, he asked, is yeah, Benoti, of course, still still inquiring about um, about the girl that was, uh, you know, that he found off the ship in episode one of this season. Uh, any thoughts on that? No, we said that. We, we said everything that needs to be said about that. Nick, Spiros, and Sergey, um, they're discussing the stevedores. And again, grand jury, Spiros, of course, says there's nothing to worry about. They're going to run into a dead end. Uh, in regards to ex, ex, in regards to that, uh, in regards to the dead girls, Sergey, of course, you know, reaffirms that um, reaffirms that that uh, that statement by Spiros. And now they move on to what's most important. Of course, is Spiros Spiros, of course, asking about the chemicals. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, it's, it's all about that introduction. You're absolutely right. Kind of switching off the the what's what's going on with the girls and moving on to kind of like the the big meat of what what this season is going to be about. So it's introducing that concept, which will get further explained. Yeah, McNulty meeting with the special agent. They discuss some of the field officers that have that have connections or that have the that have the deported girls that McNulty can look into. McNulty, of course, is trying to you know find that if any of these girls know who his girl, who the girl that he's looking for is. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. This was, of course, a, a scene, a setup scene for how what's going to play out towards the latter part of this episode. Um, huh? I said, is it? Is it a setup scene? No, I'm, I'm joking. Keep going. You have uh, Russell and Maui. Now, Maui, of course, is the dude who can't stand Ziggy. Uh, they've been going back and forth in the previous episode. Um, but it turns out that Maui used to date uh, B. Russell. So she's asking about the docs. He's not going to snitch. He says he's not a snitch. Before that, he, he asked about the relationship and why it didn't work out. Um, then they get on to talking about the docs. He's not. He's, he's not going to. He doesn't snitch. Of course, doesn't give. Doesn't uh, give her any like straight up information because I. I really don't believe that he. You know, knows a lot. But what he does give her is a major tip about the computer system, which we'll see how that plays out. Um, and she, of course, that has her. That gets her will spinning from that standpoint. Um, what are your thoughts about this scene? Okay, so um, we got we got to piece the scene together. Now I love this scene, but I love this scene for 
um, because it's, it, it, the scene doesn't go anywhere, but it's purposely doesn't go anywhere. Um, as we'll see that the, the tip does. So, so let me break it down. Bunk tries to give BD some game. BD yes. now tries to run with that, run with that game. That's the closest person she has to a confidential informant is somebody that she was close with on, on the docks, which, which happens to be Maui. I do not see it the exact same way. I do think Maui was telling. He was telling what, what he knows. He knows that he knows they, they know enough what's going on in those docks. They don't know that they're, that he, they're doing stuff for the Greek, but they know who's doing dirt, where, and why. And so he is, what BD, of course, is using is his, his attraction to her. And so he is giving her information in hopes that that gets her on his own. Uh, yeah, on his own. That, that gets him on her good side. On her good side that's what I was trying to say. Um, and so all of that is whatever. I mean, that's fine. But the the major point, and I'll connect it. When I, I think I'll say for what I connected when we get there. Why I love this scene is because it shows what you love about the wires. It shows how real investigations go, and real investigations hit dead ends all the time. As a matter of fact, most of an investigation is dead ends. That's what you do. You investigate, and then nope, this doesn't lead anywhere. Let's go back. Let's go to back to the drawing board. Now let's pull on another string right here. So I love. This is one of the big reasons why I enjoyed The Wire so much is because of the level of detail in its realism. They didn't play it up at all. They didn't play it up at all. But when we get to the actual, when we get to the actual scene about this, I'll connect these two further. I think he, so yes, he told, he told her about the computers, but I, I don't realize he realized how big of a tip that was. I don't think he, I don't think That's he, what I'm saying. I, I, he, I, I don't. I think he, he. I don't think he was trying to. He. He by no stretch of imagination was trying to fuck over the union or Sabaka. Let's let's make that clear. I, I think you're viewing it from Sabaka's standpoint. Everybody doesn't see it the same way Sabaka does. No, but I'm saying I don't think he intentionally tried to hurt. They did. Oh, you think That's he did? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. He's, trying, he's trying to get. He's trying to get. You know, to be crass, he's trying to get him draws. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was telling her what he knew. He literally says, "Funny, you guys are running around with your heads cut off, like chickens with your heads cut off." But um, but and everything, everything you want is right there, right there. We used to write everything down and saved in there. Just because he didn't say it specifically, like, "Beady, you need to look at the computer to get dirt on them," isn't doesn't doesn't um mean he wasn't saying what he was trying to say, and she knew exactly what he was saying because she went and ran and told Bunk. Yeah. But all that is for not, and we'll get there. So you have uh, Ziggy and Nick. Nick tells Ziggy about the car being burnt up. He tells them, and Buddy does, he says, you know, he says the car, your car, you can basically cancel your car insurance, and you but you do have an extra week to pay um, to pay cheese. Uh, quick scene. What were your thoughts? Uh, pressure, pressure. This is this is all about pressure. Um, 
the pressure Nick feels and the pressure Ziggy feels and then how they react to that pressure. I mean, we, we talked, I mean, economic pressure. We talked a lot last week about that. And we talked a lot throughout this show because that's a big, that's a big theme. Um, it looks different in the pit versus on the docks, but it's the same financial pressure that drives people to do certain things. So this is another step in that process. You had the Greek and Spiros uh, discussing the stevedores. Uh, the Greek had a great line in this <laughs> at the beginning. He was like, we need to uh, ease their minds. He was like, well, ease my mind first <laughs> before we even get to that. So he tells them about the, uh, Bond just tells Greek about the, uh, the grand juries, because I think the Greek was kind of annoyed by that at the beginning, but Bond just says, you know, we're good on that. That's a dead end. The Greek says, um, will pay their lawyer fees, but he refuses to meet with Frank Sabaka. Of course, Bonner's told the Greek that, you know, Sabaka wanted to meet with you. The Greek says, no, I'm not meeting. Uh, just double his fee and uh, we'll pay for the lawyers. And we, of course, we're gonna see what that leads to in the Greek. The Greek, so the Greek knows Sabaka. He knows what makes Sabaka tick. Um, he knows he knows the how the money moves to Sabaka. So I, that, I, I don't ever think that he ever even considered meeting with uh, Tabaka. What were your thoughts? Yeah, this is this is kind of like the this is now putting it all together in terms of everything that we've been talking about in terms of people's financial duress. I alluded to this last week um, that uh, that this is the hypocrisy of Sabaka. Right, like, like this is this is the Walter Whiteness coming out of it, right? Like, it, it it ultimately becomes about the power that being able to attain large amounts of money gives you. Not only the financial freedom or the ability in Sabaka's case to buy high level um, politicians, but also the intoxicating feeling. I think that's what Breaking Bad did so well and why people responded to it so well um, and what it showed us. Um, and now we could draw that direct line back to Zabaka now is that earning that much money is, is itself intoxicating, is in itself a drug. And so while Sabaka isn't out on the streets like Ziggy trying to put a package together, what he is doing is actually levels above what Ziggy's doing because of he's he's because more money, more um let's go say more problems, <laughs> more uh, risk, more um more of a high. Well, I mean, you could have said more problems because the more money he's the more money that's get that he's getting is is. is it's further in his problems as he's getting deeper, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So it, I mean, that, that actually might have fit somewhat. I know what you're trying to say. Um, yeah, uh, this, you know, this is well played by the actor, whoever the actor is that, play, that plays the Greek. Um, just how subtle he is and how just economic he is in terms of what he says. Really, is really no wasted motion with uh, the Greek or Vondas for that matter um, in, uh, in this scene or even throughout the uh, course of the series. 
Avon Stringer, Dixie. Um, so Stringer goes to, goes to visit Avon in prison. He discusses the inferior Atlanta product. Uh, tells Avon who has the good who has the good stuff. Mentions, of course, you know a bunch of other couple other drug kingpins along with Pop Joe on the east side. Um, then the, he then Stringer asks about uh, D'Angelo and Stringer and Avon says the boy has to find his own way. He says he asks Stringer, I says I've been fair to him. He makes a statement, I've been fair to him. Stringer says too fair. Um, as much as they are in dire straits as, as far as their product, which they are, they clearly are. This was about Stringer trying to get a read on Avon about D'Angelo as well, too. I think this that was the main motivation for this for this meeting with uh, with Avon. Uh, what were your thoughts? Could uh, not agree more. Could not agree more. That's absolutely um, what the scene is about. I mean, I think we both experienced this the same way when we originally saw it we were originally thinking uh-oh for d'angelo which there's that that's in there absolutely but we missed the underpinning of it and as we go back and watch and discuss this is we can now see it so very clearly um you're i could not agree more it is it is all about um avon getting a ring on reading on uh, no, Stringer getting a reading on Avon. And then so the question that I was proposing in my mind was, who looks like the kingpin in this entire scene, right? Like Avon always, up until this point in time, has exuded ultimate confidence, right? Like, like ultimate confidence. Um, uh, and in this scene, he looks like a beaten man. Everything like that. And so if you're stringer and you're like, if if you're stringer, you're like, how am I playing? Like, like, let me, let me met, let me like I'm making all these moves. Let me see if he if he's sensing something. And you get there, you see that, you're like, oh, oh, blood is in the water right now. <laughs> blood is in the water. No question. Um, and so, and so A, it gives him confidence to make the move on D'Angelo, make moves on D'Angelo, not to spoil anything, make, make moves on D'Angelo, and it gives him the confidence to keep playing it exactly how he's playing it, and um, his, his uh, <laughs> takeover is, is looking very successful at this point. Could not agree more with that statement. Yeah, Stringer was in complete control during the scene. Uh, one of the very few scenes that you'll ever see Stringer and Avon do where Stringer's in control. If this might be the it might be the only scene in the whole series, uh, to be honest with you, where you we're, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that a lot in season three. There, yeah, there's we, there's yeah. a lot going yeah. on in season yeah. three. There's well, a lot. There's a lot. To, up until this point where we see up, absolutely up until this point. Up until this point where we see uh, absolutely those two interact. Yep. Um Again, to your point, Avon's body language—he it looks like a you know, like you said, he's he down. He 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 has the Avon is stuck right now because he's stuck from two part from he's stuck from the point of uh, the product or lack thereof 
running out of answers from that standpoint. And of course, getting rebuffed continuously by uh, D'Angelo. Um, so he's in a bad place. Uh, you know, and this is even despite the fact that he, you know, had, despite the fact that, that the, that the uh, Tillman situation went, went 100% in his favor. Um, so, yeah, Stringer definitely, he definitely took advantage of the situation and will, of course, we, we will see what this leads to and they'll I'll definitely have a question about this scene next episode in regards to uh, what transpired. So, yeah, this, this was a big scene moving forward without question. Um, And I'll, I'll say this too before I move on to the next scene. When Stringer and Avon have talked about D'Angelo in the past, even with De even D'Angelo, even when D'Angelo was fucking up, Stringer would Avon would always retort with the family, the family, the family. That was not the case in this, this scene. Well, that's why now the so saw piggyback off of, off of where you're going right here. That's why that scene with D'Angelo was so big in there. Because he's like, they, they say this family stuff, but it's business. Fam he get, family's all good when business is good. But business is horrible right now. Yes. Avon has no line to any type of product. And East, wait, no. What are they? They're West? They're West Side, right? Yeah, They're yeah. West Side. So East Side, East Side has all the, has the product and has the clientele moving over there. So business is horrible. So later for that family stuff. So D'Angelo... D'Angelo said all facts, all truths, all truths. Um, business first, and business is horrible right now. So we have Frank and Spiros. Um, Spiros tells uh, Frank, of course, Frank is upset that the Greek is not there. He wanted to meet the Greek. Um, and then Spiros says, you know, he's not here. And then basically Frank says, you know, well, you know, fuck this. And then Spiros tells them, tells Frank, we are doubling the money, which gives, which gives Frank a pause. And then he says a very important line, uh, the epigraph that you should make still there. No, that is basically telling Sabaka, you don't exist without us. That's what, that's, that's what he was telling us. That's what he was telling him. Because those steel, those steel, those steel ports and docks are, are dead and shut down. He says, if you don't have us, you're gonna end up, your union can end up like that. That's how I, that, that's how I took that, that kind of like subtle shot at Bond. And Bond is, the guy who plays Bond is played not, not so subtle. It wasn't, no, it actually wasn't so clear. That was very, yes. Especially coming from him because he, you know, he, he doesn't uh, say a lot. Um, but when he, you know, this was like a, you know, this was a direct, it wasn't even, it, this was a direct shot at Sabaka, like, look, where, where are you going to be? What are you going to do without us? What are you, like, what, what really are you going to do without us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he pointed out their future. He played into Sabaka's fears, right? Like, that, that's, that's what Sabaka's been saying this entire time, right? Like, this will be the end of us, yada, yada, yada. That's why I'm doing all of this. And so um, he plays directly into that with that comment 
um, to your point, he, he knows, he knows, he knows how to, he knows, he knows, he knows how to get Sabaka. The Greek, the Greek does as well, which is why he says, let's let the money talk. Uh, Nick and Ziggy, you had uh, Ziggy looking up the, the chemicals on the computer. Um, and you basically, again, they basically see the chemicals and see some of the uh, prices uh, for the chemicals. And of course, this depicts the difference between Ziggy and Nick as far as from a techno te uh, technological standpoint. Nick looks at a computer like, you know, like basically like, what the hell is this? And he asks questions like, you could just type stuff in, have, type things in and uh, it'll give you information. So he, he's clueless basically on you know, computers versus, versus Ziggy's, you know, expertise. And we'll see where, we'll see where Ziggy gets that, gets that from uh, very shortly. Um, so you had that going on uh, in terms of that scene, but of course, the most important part of this is, of course, the the what we've been discussing throughout the course of the episode, the last episode, is these chemicals. Now, these chemicals keep coming up for a reason. It's not unintentional. Why? It's not by this is by design. Why these chemicals keep coming up? They're going to play a major role in in, in moving in moving along with the season, how the season moves. Uh, what are your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, I mean, like. So there, there's two things you got to remember with, with, so the chemicals, I mean, this is a big reveal. It's a huge reveal. Um, uh, and then there'll be even more explicit of it by the end of the episode. But um, the thing you also got to remember and connect it to is what was said, uh, what was that? At, we're in episode five, right? I don't even think it was last episode. It was either three or two where um where he first asked about getting the chemicals um and the guy says we need metric tons of this yes so double g you gotta put you gotta put those two things together um and then you start to understand the scope of what's going on yeah um bunk and russell uh bunk and bd russell they go back to the zoc the docks uh sabaka then proceeds to explain the uh, computer system and how the cans move and how the cans move. Uh, you, got, you, you skipped over a part. Which part? So they don't go to Sabaka first. And the only reason I'm talking, it's, it's important how this goes because that leads into like investigations doing a dead end. I, I'll be more explicit in, in when I start talking. Keep going. Uh, Sabaka discussed the computer system and how the cans uh, move. Um, Bunk recognizes recognizes it from the start that this Sabaka is just giving them crumbs and not even giving them anything, giving them bullshit, and that he's running clearly uh, running game uh, when it comes to this, uh, this computer system. Now, this computer system has been set up by Sabaka, so if you want to know where Ziggy got some, you know, that type of skill set from. Look no further than Frank Sabaka. Um, so, what what did you want to include? Okay, so there's so much there's so much going on in this scene. All right, so um, the way that the scene opens up is Bunk and Beatty get out of the car, and they're they're met by I don't know what the guy would be named, the foreman or their IT manager, basically. And so they're going in and they're asking him, "Hey, you know, like what the, the like what about the security system?" Now, this is important because. 
at this point in time, they have no clue Sabaka knows. They, they have no clue about any of the things, about none, none of that. So they're walking with the IT guy. They're asking him questions and everything like that. And he gets up there. He, he walks them up, or the IT manager, he walks them upstairs and starts to review the system. And homeboy who's there is messing up on it. And yeah, he's like, yeah. and can't figure it out. And the IT manager is like, blah, blah, blah. And then Frank comes over because he's mad at homeboy who lost the can legitimately or something like that. And the guy turns and goes, oh, you know what? Frank can probably show you better. He set up the whole system. And Bunk just kind of gets this look on and say, ah, oh, like, yeah, yeah. So it's a dead end. It was a complete, utter dead end um, uh, because Frank set up the system. He, he's, he's gang. So, so, and then after that, then Frank is a, Frank Sabak is able to, to, to give him all of the different ways in which a can could be disappeared legitimately, or I mean, a, a, a way in which the can could disappear and it, it not be anything, um, uh, 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 it, it not be anything foul and not in no foul play in there. Um, and so that I, I was waiting to get here so I could connect it back to there. Um, this was not the, like, again, last week I hammered the wire a little bit on the overuse of plot devices. This actually was the opposite of a plot device. This was, this was a misdirection, but a misdirection framed in the way of an actual investigation and how it goes. Um, they thought they had something. Bunt gave her some game. She used a little bit of knowledge she had to get it inside in there, but the inside led right back to Frank. And so again, this is reiterating that that uh, going back to remember the wire does not like this is why the wire is great is because everything means something in all season everything connects together. So I go back to season one when Eileen gave us the rules about how you get wires, how you get those things set up. It's because normal police investigation tactics are failing, and so. They tried to get it inside men. So let's check, let's check the boxes, right? So just going up and just, you know, uh, questioning different people that was there. Nope, they blocked, they blocked that, like the code of silence. All right, so then we tried to get an uh, informant to give us information and then go that route. We went in there. The person that we're investigating is the person who's actually doing the system. So boom, now we're blocked out that route. So the, it's, the wire is... Since they told us specifically last season what the rules are, now they don't have to do that anymore. Now they're just showing us. Um, so they don't have to waste time doing that, which is why they could spend the first few episodes setting up the new cast and setting up the new dynamics because they wouldn't have to waste time with the rules. Excellent, excellent stuff here. Yeah, it was, there's definitely a lot going on. Uh, they did not go in with the standpoint that we're going to go see Frank Sabaka. They didn't, of course, to, um, to, to your point, they, they didn't even know Sabaka had anything to do with the computer system. So yeah, that, that I don't, don't want to mislead the audience from that standpoint, that they went, they, they went in with the intention of, of, of uh, talking to Frank Sabaka, because that was not, that was not their intention, intentions at, at all. It's just kind of, that's just kind of how it played out um, in regards to the scene. Um, and Bunk right away knows that, you know, Frank is giving them bullshit. Well, after, I mean, like, it's a dead end. It just is a dead end. They, they know, they, they wouldn't even roll the trip if they knew Sabaka created the computer system. 
Maui didn't tell them that because Maui didn't know that. Um, it's just a dead end. It's just flat out a dead end. It's no deeper than that. It's a dead end. So you have Stringer and the Barksdale crew discussing. Uh, but it's beautiful that a show, sorry. It's beautiful that a show like this takes the time to show that. That's what, it's revolutionary for its time. We got to put this show in its time and place. No shows did things like that at this point in time no. in television history. No. That's what we got to keep reiterating why this show is genius because it was doing stuff that was groundbreaking that now we're familiar with. But at that point in time, no, uh-uh. Stuff like this wasn't done. On, on regular by no means. Stringer and me uh, back at the funeral home with the Barksdale crew breaking down business and a new strategy. Um, he's asking them various questions, you know, explaining what he had discussed with the professor basically. And Bodie steps up to the plate and it answers the question correctly and gives, and now he answers the question correctly about uh, what you do with this, you with the product, if you have a weak product. Bodhi advises to change up the color and create a fake competition amongst uh, fiends within because they you know they control multiple towers, um, which was you know great for Bodhi. Um, you know we get it you know being paying attention with Stringer. Shamrock tries to chime in and says I said the same thing. It was not the same thing they they said by the way that Shamrock Shamrock and Bodhi did not say the same did not say the same thing. Bodhi was way more clear and concise and in terms of where, how he articulated uh, his understanding uh, of this. Um, so now, to your point, you have that Bodhi-Stringer bond getting uh, stronger because Bodhi was able to, able to recognize what Stringer was talking about, and two, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you've been paying attention closely to that, to that dynamic. Um, that gives Bodie even gives Bodie even more uh, stringer more trust with Bodie. Like now, okay, you're paying attention. Now I can entrust you with even more responsibility. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Thing? Uh, you're fanboying for Bodie, basically, right now. <laughs> um, uh, I love Bodie. You know I love Bodie, but uh, no, you're, you're reading too much into that dynamic right there. And I'm going to kick up for Shamrock. Shamrock was the one who suggested changing the caps first. He said it, and then Bodie added on competing in the tower. That's why that's why Shamrock was upset. So I mean, like they built off the idea of each other, which is what you want, absolutely. But in a competitive space. That's not how either one of them were, were seeing it because Bodhi gave the nice little sly smile at the very end. But Shamrock did say the gel cats first, changing the cats. He did, he did. So he did. I, got, I, got a cake for, I got a cake for Shamrock. I can't just give Bodhi all the credit in there. But what this, di what this does show is exactly what you're saying. Um, is is uh, if, we, if we look at the evolving dynamic between Bodhi and Stringer, Stringer wouldn't even recognize him in season one at no. all and now Stringer's giving him an attaboy in a meeting Bodie's not in Bodie's not in the pit he's at the actual meeting so yeah. um moving moving on up and getting some getting some recognition Stringer also knows of course now we now that we've kind of fully started betting Stringer out in his plan and everything like he has to get his people in place people who are loyal to him and Bodie has been Stringer's lapdog up until this point, always wanting Stringer's um, approval 
of things. And so um, it's also strategic um, in, in elevating uh, people that are specifically and only loyal to him. Bodie, um, yeah, these uh, are his girl. What's what's her name? Uh, did you Annette. say it? You yeah, Jeanette. Like, yeah, people who are specifically loyal to him. He's starting to put those pieces into place. So not only is it is it uh, I was gonna say psychological warfare, but that kind of like that. That was the kind of like a psychological play going up and and checking checking on uh, Avon. But now he's starting to move the pieces into place the actual people in the place. Yeah, and these are his guys now. I mean, Bodie, Shanrock. Shanrock wasn't around season one. Um, Shanrock, Bodie and Shanrock specifically are his guys. These are these are his guys. But basically, everybody in that room is his Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? I guess by what, what I mean by that are only loyal to him, there is no Barksdale name. It's only Stringer. Um, yeah, at this point, and so he's trying, like, just like he's trying to size Avon up, he's also sizing everybody up. Yes, you're absolutely right. Everybody there, because all the muscles gone, all got arrested. Everybody there is is seeing Stringer. Stringer's trying to take it to the next level on that, and so he needs to know who's loyal to him and who isn't loyal to to him. Spiro, Nick, and Sergey uh, discuss the chemicals. You have Nick inquiring about the chemicals, and Nick ends up figuring out what the chemicals are going to be used for uh, in terms of processing um, processing cocaine and processing drugs. Uh, Spiro's, of course, mentions that uh, they go from doubling the money. He asks, triples the money for, for the three cans. And, of course, uh, you know, Nick, you know, like that again, this is a case of the money speaking for itself. And also again, Nick figuring out what the chemicals are gonna be uh used for as he kept inquiring uh, inquiring about it. Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so let me let me break this thing down a little bit. So the triple was for Sabaka. Um, because uh Sabaka still up until that point had said no and told Nick to go tell them no. Right. And so um, as Nick, as Nick is, as Nick is talking, it's like triple. And so the triples for Sabaka. And then Nick says to them, Hey, um, I checked up on that thing. Now this goes back to what you talk about. Ziggy, my man, Ziggy and his computer skills. That's how they found out. Ziggy helped them look it up on the computer. I mean, got him going on the computer. And then when they were typing in, like he literally is like, he, he said some type of chemical in that scene and, and, um, Ziggy goes, how do you spell that? And he goes, F-U-C. Um, it's just like, it's like some complicated chemical, chemical name. And then so, so Ziggy helped him put those names in. And then when it spit out, it showed what these things could be processing. And he put two and two together. It's not a bomb. Um, it's, it's for cocaine. Um, and so this kind of brings all of those pieces together that we've been talking about in terms of um, that, uh, that, that this is a, they are involved with people who are involved in a huge, huge operation, not just, yeah, they're involved with people who are involved in a huge operation. Um, and so 
the money has the potential to be really, really flush. Not just no chill, nickel and dime, staying on the corner, what Ziggy was trying to do. So you have McNulty, uh, he inquires about the girl. Um, he's in Jersey at this point, and he uh, meets with some of the girls who were deported, uh, not having been deported, but were picked up were picked up um, on legals, they're in jail. Um, and he tries to see if one of the girls, if any of the girls recognize his girl. Um, they are looking at the pictures and one of the girls asks, will this get us free? Will this get us uh, free if we do, if we are to give information or recognize her? McNulty, of course, doesn't say anything because he can't make that, he can't, follow through on that promise and then immediately the, he's, the girls say nothing and uh, the case, that part of the case is a dead end. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is the opposite of what I was talking about on the other one. This is the plot device and I can't let it go um, in this episode uh, because it, it brings to a, a bear everything that I was saying last episode. This is to give McNulty something to do. Just that simple. Just yeah. that simple. Yep. Yeah. It, it means nothing to nothing. That's, that's the difference. Everything that Bunk and Beatty are doing is, to, is, is, as I said, checking off the boxes of how to get a wire, how to get everything like that's going to need for the port. This does nothing. Unless somebody can tell me different. I Like, no, this does nothing. This is just something for... Yeah, if you look at this episode, outside the, outside the scenes with Bubbles and Omar, McNulty didn't have these other scenes with the girls were not even... We're, we're no, we talked about it last week. We talked about it last week. This is this is a this is a this is a recurring thing for for McNulty and the plot device that's needed for him. So this yeah. isn't about McNulty. This is about the writers on this one. So you have Freeman, Daniels, Bunk, and Russell. Um, meet, meet back up at the detail. They try to convince Daniels to take the murders uh, with the cases intertwining. Daniels wants no part of taking 14 murders, uh, especially especially without a suspect, a clear suspect. So at this point, Daniels, of course, declines to uh, take to take on the murders, um, take on the, the 14 dead girls. Um, and rightfully so at this point. I mean, in this case, Daniels is smart enough to know that, 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 that at this point, the case is uh, that that case is not going anywhere and why take on, you know, why even think about taking on that at that, at this point. Um, and I, at this point he does not, they don't understand the, the entire scope, uh, of what is going on. And rightfully so they just got, they just met up, they just got back together. So they don't, they don't even know how big this case is or will be at the, at, at this, at this particular time. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, you just got to file this one. Say. It, it, I give up too much talking about this one. Yeah. Um, this, this, just file this one away. This, this means something, but it won't come to specifically what it means until I think like 11 or 12, maybe 10. I think it's like 11 or 12. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be some payoff. This, this will be, there'll be you just got to file this one away. We'll, we'll uh, come back to this. Yes, absolutely. Um, Sabaka and Nick. Um, 
So yeah, Frank is uh, Nick discussing. Uh, Nick tells uh, Sabaka tells uh, uh, Nick that all the Steve Bills are working today. One of the rare times that they all that they're getting work, that everybody's getting work for a particular day. Then Nick tells Frank about the Greeks' offer in terms of tripling the money. Um, and then and, and Nick is the one that kind of wants to proceed with that. Nick was the aggressor in this particular scene. Like you can see Nick's eyes lighten up at the thought of what could what could be moving forward. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> So Nick Nick comes up and is like, "Hey, here's the here's the thing." And Sabaka's totally thrown off because you got to remember, Sabaka sent Nick to go tell the Greeks to fuck themselves, basically. Right. On the double offer, he was not doing a double offer, and he goes, "Oh, tri-. they said trip." I mean, he goes triple. He said, "Wait, no." Frank goes triple. He's like, "Yeah, they told me you were good with this." And then Frank goes, "We need this, Nick." We need this now or ever for the doc. Um, So Nick doesn't know anything that's going on in there. He's just giving him the paper. Remember, Nick's deal is about the the chemicals. Chemicals, yeah. That that's Nick's thing right there. Um, Sabaka's thing is is what's what's going on. And when Sabaka hears the triple, which then builds into Sabaka's um, uh, hypocrisy is the best word. Um, uh, where you know where he's trying to be morally right because of the girls. Um, and as soon as they triple, it's like, uh, that's a lot of money. Get some guy to just go ahead and keep on doing this. And he's trying to link it back with, with the doc. But this, this continues that theme of Frank's hypocrisy. And again, I always connect with Walter White because this is such a nice, clear line. Of, if you've seen Breaking Bad, if you've seen that character, then you know what's at the heart of why Frank is doing what he's doing. And that is how the uh, episode ends uh, with with that. Um, so yeah, a lot, just a few, like, you know, a lot of moving pieces in this episode uh, in regards to, again, still set up, but you see where some certain things were going. Oh, yeah. Some, some yeah, we see where certain things are going to go. Um, Chardine Award for Best Performance, I had uh, Bondus. Especially in that scene where he's with Nick. and uh, Especially with a couple scenes. Well, the one scene with Nick and... Uh, no, the one scene with the Greek. And then the scene with uh, Sabaka when he says the epigraph. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, man, I'm trying, I'm trying to decide. I, okay. So, so I was, I was thinking of the person I'm going to give the MVP to for this, but I'm, I'm going to say that for the MVP. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, um, Omar for, for, for this part. Like I loved his interactions with, uh, with McNulty in the, in the whole process, his, his, his interactions with the prosecutor, McNulty's smiling at him, and then his interactions with McNulty in the um, in the uh, store. If I had to narrow it down, it's the one in the store that I just I just love. But it's real chill and real real. I mean, Omar will have absolute MVP moments later on, but this is a nice chill, like like just another side you get to see of 
of, of, of Omar. So that's where I'm going. MVP, I have B. Russell uh, for my MVP. Um, she took the game that Bunk gave her, applied it, and even though it's and got the tip from about the computers, which will play a major, major part uh, and have a major impact moving forward throughout the course of the, of the rest of the season. So I have B. Russell as the, uh, as, the, as the MVP of this episode. I'm going to go with D'Angelo. Like I said, that, that scene is heartbreaking to me, and it's all because of, oh, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go with D'Angelo. The scene is heartbreaking. He outlines the theory of the Barksdale organization, and he foreshadows Stringer and Barksdale's relationship. I'll just say, leave it at that. Yeah, no, I can see that. He, he read... I mean, yeah, he saw Stringer coming from a mile away in regards to that conversation with uh, with Donette. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I definitely, he definitely could be, uh, I could definitely see that. Um, again, we have major things to come um, uh, throughout the course of the rest of the season. Big episode coming up next week. Sure. Uh, so, you know, we got, a, this was a brisk, Hour and twenty six. I anticipate that next week's will not be twenty six. Uh, with so many, with the things that, with the number of things that you're gonna have that will be going on in the uh, next uh, episode, which will be a major, major uh, episode to um, in the series. You know, in not only this season but in the entire series of the Wire. Next week's episode is a big time shift, uh, to say the least. Um, any last thoughts, uh, Mr. Sapp? No, be healthy, be safe. Yeah, yeah, no question. Be cool. Yeah. Tomorrow's yeah. going to be blazing. Ridiculous. Uh, as always, thanks to Robert Sapp for joining the program. We'll see you next time. Later. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of The Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix, episode, season two, episode five, Undertow. Uh, be safe out here. I will see you next time with another edition of the Real Deal Podcast. This episode will be up uh, before midnight. Um, certainly before midnight. I'm out. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.